All right. Well, it's been since uh, what, early March since we've had a chance to be together like this. Uh, I was looking at my notes, and that was the last lesson. It was like March 8th or something like that, or something somewhere back in there. Um, so in that time, I'm sure all the lessons we did up until then are all fresh in your mind. <laughs> they weren't in mine. <laughs> uh, so uh, with your indulgence, and you have no choice because you're a captive audience, uh, we're going to we're going to do a sort of a flash review today uh, so that we're kind of at least a little bit up to speed when we continue our lessons on the life of Christ. So actually a new lesson will commence next week, although again it's been so long a lot of what we're going to talk about this morning might be new, but it's going to be like a Bible drill. Uh, so hopefully you have your Bible with you so you can you know, turn pages or scroll or whatever you do, um, so that we can uh, kind of review what's going on. As I was looking too, it made me go back and look at a lot of my notes, uh, and I just kind of started pulling out notebooks and those kinds of things, because I, I do all of them in, in these. I'll do school lessons and Sunday school lessons and those kind of things in these, and um, started going back through, and since we've been together, which has been many, many years actually, this class is with me teaching. Um, it, was, it was fun to look back and to see what we have covered. Uh, not in this particular order, but um, we've done all of Paul's letters, minus Romans, because that was when Ron Skates was doing a series on Romans, and I, I preached quite a few of those. I, I looked back, I did 12 of those messages. I didn't, I didn't whoa, I didn't know that. Um, because that's when there was a dearth of pastors, if you want to think of it that way. So I was in the pulpit quite a bit. So I, we... We kind of did Romans that way. We've done all the general epistles. Uh, we've done Old Testament wisdom literature. Um, some of the minor prophets, the book of Exodus, and the book of Acts, and several topical studies. So we've been busy. Um, but we were in, the, just starting actually, we were 16 lessons in. All right, 16 lessons into looking at the life of Christ from from the, the Gospels themselves. And what we lose when we do that is we don't get the feel of that particular author and why that author would put things or talk about things the way he did. But what we do see is a nice panoramic view of, of Christ's ministry and what's going on. And in those 16 lessons, we got right up to the cusp of what's called Christ's great Galilean ministry. We'd gotten right up to that. So next week, we're actually going to start in that. As I was reviewing, I noticed we didn't look at Mark at all in, in all of those 16 lessons. And the reason is because Mark just jumps right in, basically, in the Galilean ministry. He has very little about the, the birth of Christ, the, you know, just getting up to that. He starts with baptism. So uh, Mark hasn't figured yet in, in our studies, but we did look quite a bit at uh, Matthew, Luke, and John. So uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, we're going to go by, not by date, but by lesson sequence. So, and I'm even going to give you my outline points. I'll just, we'll, so we'll kind of, you know, because I'm kind of proud of the alliteration. Anyway, but we're going to, we'll look at those outline points and just brief, and we'll look at, we'll, we'll open to the passage, and I'll give you the outline points and just a brief precy of, of, of 
why we looked at that and what, you know, not everything we gleaned from it, obviously, but just to get a progression up to where we're going to start next week. So I was trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. And as I was looking through the notebooks, I was like, well, I'll just do that. Yeah. Um, so here we go. Our first lesson in all of this was all background. It was background on the New Testament world of Jesus and on the Gospels themselves and, you know, where they came from, all of those things. That was all background. There you go. See, there's week one. Done. All right. Week two, we, we jumped into the scripture. So go ahead and turn to Luke chapter one. And I'm going to have to flip along with you. Luke chapter one. And we looked at verses five through 25. So part of chapter one of Luke. And in this, our setting is Jerusalem. And it's the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist to Zacharias uh, and Elizabeth. So, and the, the outline points were routine context, remarkable content. Because it, we're seeing Zacharias just going about his routine at the temple as a priest and what happens with all that. And then suddenly, Gabriel shows up. And here's the announcement of a son, and they're both advanced in age, and she had been barren, and suddenly, wham, this great announcement. So Gabriel showing up was that remarkable content. So we looked at the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. So again, routine context, remarkable content. The next week, we stayed in the book of Luke, and we continued with the narrative, beginning at verse 26, and we went all the way through 38. Not that long of a passage, but it's because we see the birth of Jesus being foretold to Mary. This is the visitation uh, to Mary foretelling Jesus' birth. That was our first point. The faith of Jesus' mother. That's our second. So we looked at this visitation by Gabriel telling her about the birth of her son. And then we examined her faith and her response to, to this. We had moved from Jerusalem into Nazareth, is, is how, the, the, how we progressed. We stayed in Luke the following week. I mean, we're humming. Look at this. We're on lesson number four. All right. We stayed in Luke the following week, and verses 39 all the way through 66. But according to my notes, we didn't finish. The two points... We're supposed to be bursting with joy. And of course, that's, that's Elizabeth and Mary. This is where we get Mary's Magnificat, her exaltation, her, her overflow of praise when she visits her, her, her cousin Elizabeth. And that overflow of praise, they're both pregnant. So bursting with joy, and then the birth of John the Baptist. And I remember toying with bursting with John, but I decided not to. Um, that would have been poor taste. All right, but it's out there now, so too bad. All right. So we have Elizabeth and Zachariah, Elizabeth and Zachariah's house, somewhere in the hill country of Judah. Um, and again, we, we spent a lot of our time examining the Magnificat from the Latin for exalt or magnify. That's where that, the name for this little hymn of praise comes from. Um, we also uh, saw that John, I mean, not John, but Zacharias gets his uh, speech back. Remember, he had been stricken 
dumb. Um, but we didn't finish. We didn't get all the way to John's birth. Uh, and I know that because the next week, my outline, beginning in uh, verse 57, starts with John's birth. So that's my first point. So we kind of kind of went over. So John's birth and then Joseph's bidding. So we looked at John's birth, and if you'll, if you'll look down to verse 67, um, we examined also Zacharias' song, what we call the, the Benedictus, from blessed, from the Latin, his song of praise. And then we shifted, having seen this this celebration now of the birth of John the Baptist. And remember that the, the people there were saying, well, you can't call him that. No one in your family's called that. And he's saying, no, his name is John. That's just the way it is. Um, we shifted then to Matthew. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 1. And beginning in verse 18, we went... To we went through the rest of the chapter 1, 18 through 25, examining uh, the angel's visitation to Joseph, telling him that, uh, no, this really is what's going on, and you shall call this child's name Jesus. Remember he, he, him wanting to put her away quietly, but being told not to. So we looked at the visitation uh, to Joseph and saw his perspective. So Luke gives us Mary's perspective of the announcement. Matthew gives us Joseph's perspective on this. So now we've gotten up to where we have John the Baptist who has been born. And we hear now we've gotten to uh, all of the precursors to the birth of Jesus Christ, which, of course, was then our next lesson. It was on the third Sunday of Advent. It just happened to work out. Um, that we looked at Luke chapter 2. So go ahead and turn back there. See, I told you, a little Bible drill going on. And there we examine the famous birth narrative from Bethlehem of the birth of Jesus Christ. Our outline points were the nativity of Jesus and the nobility of the shepherds and looked at their role in this being the first to hear this announcement and looked at the announcement from the angelic host, the host of God, the armies of God, proclaiming the peace, peace to those who follow this King, King Jesus. So that was our, our kind of almost Christmas lesson. And then on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we continued in Luke chapter 2, and we started at verse 21, and went through verse 38. Now we're in Jerusalem. We've moved from Nazareth, I mean from Bethlehem, to Jerusalem. And this was the dedication of Jesus at the temple. The dedication at the temple. And here we saw um, un under the outline of Simeon's fulfilled watch and Anna's faithful wait. So we looked at, uh, you know, Simeon, uh, you know, his, his overflow of being allowed to see the long-awaited promise of Israel, the Messiah. You know, he was allowed to see this, and so was Anna. And here we have uh, Simeon's little song, uh, 
nunc dementis, dementis from the Latin for now, dismiss, you know, I can go now. Now I can go, you know. Um, so we looked at their faith and heard about a little more about who this Christ will be. And that was at the dedication, the temple in Jerusalem. And then it was Christmas. We had Christmas, uh, remember that? Yeah, you know, gatherings of people and those kinds of things, yes. Um, we celebrated Christmas. When we came back, it was, it was actually uh, Epiphany Sunday, and it just so happened, guess what we studied? The visit of the Magi, just right then. So we went back to Matthew. It's amazing how God worked that out, because I didn't plan this stuff. You know, we're just, we're just going. Um, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The visit of the wise men, the Magi. Our outline points were, where is the king? And then, worship the king. So, we looked at the intrigue of trying to find you know, where this happened. We looked, we examined all the theories about the star and the astronomers and all these things. Uh, but we looked as well at, uh, you know, Herod's discomfort at the birth of this baby, the birth of this child, and the intrigue that all went into finding the king. And then we ended, of course, as the passage ends, with the worship of the king, with the wise men bringing their gifts to Jesus, and talked about you know, what these gifts meant in the ancient world and what they can symbolize as well going forward. Now, the next week, we looked at a little bit of the childhood and boyhood of Jesus. Now, remember, the Gospels are fairly silent on, on those years. Mark has nothing. John has nothing. It's Matthew and Luke that have just a few snippets about these early years of the childhood. That's why in the, the early church, in the first few centuries of the church, there, were so much, uh, there was so much pseudepigraphal literature, meaning written under a false name, a pseudonym, about these early years of Jesus, because people, of course, were curious and wanted to know, and a lot of, a lot of legends grew up around Jesus and his childhood. But the things that we can know for sure, of course, are from Matthew and Luke. We started in Matthew 2, verses 13 through 23. So basically finishing out chapter 2 of Matthew. And the point, the, the actual uh, outline point for this was to Egypt and back. Because the next point is to Jerusalem and back. Well, that's from Luke's account. But to Egypt and back, and we looked at this... Look at how Jesus um, recapitulates the movement of Israel to Egypt and then deliverance from Egypt back into the promised land. Uh, something very important for, of course, Matthew's gospel. And then we shifted to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2. Oh, no. Uh-oh. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. A little bit of red Sermon on the Mount there. I may have to glue that back in. Yeah, that, that part of my Bible is pretty chewed up. I've taught that quite a bit. You know, working with students, it's just one of those things. You know, it's just, it's just so perfect, you know, because, you know, how do we live this kingdom thing? Well, funny you should ask. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, what was I doing? Luke chapter 2. Sorry, I was on my own little Bible history there. After the presentation, uh, we see in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 39, they return to Nazareth, and then they go to Jerusalem. And this is that sort of comedic episode in many ways where uh, Jesus stays back. And they, they're, they're well on their way with the rest of the caravan before they realize that he's not with any of the other relatives or any of the other people that they're with, and they have to go back and get him. And here we see Jesus, of course, discoursing with the members of the Sanhedrin and those people about the nature of the kingdom. So, uh, so to Egypt and back, and to Jerusalem and back. And we end our look at the life of the young life of Jesus with verse 52 of chapter 2. He kept increasing in wisdom, stature, in favor with God and with men. Meaning he, you know, he, he learned, he, he matured, um, he, he grew in his faith, and he became likable. That's that whole idea of in favor with God and men. We talked about those are still good goals for anybody raising children. The next week, we went to, we stayed in Luke, and now we, we, we jump forward like almost 20 years, just boom, okay? Uh, and we jump forward, and now we're beginning the ministry, the grown-up ministries of John the Baptist and of Jesus. And we see them, uh, first we get introduced to John the Baptist's ministry in chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. Uh, our outline points were the context of John's position. I mean, who was he? What was he doing this for? And then the content of John's preaching. Of course, all those taken from the text themselves. We see John now in taking upon himself the position of the forerunner of Jesus Christ, making a way for the Messiah. We talked about how people would uh, come to the Jordan in, in repentance, this repentance, uh, this baptism of repentance. Why? Because they needed to be true Israel to welcome their king. And of course, uh, this attracted a lot of attention. Uh, there were, you know, John was a firebrand. He, he didn't, he didn't, he wouldn't make it in our world. You know, he'd, he'd be, he would be a target uh, big time. Um, and we looked at the content of his preaching, telling people basically, look, you know, you know what it means to be Israel. Be Israel. Be God's people. Uh, so this preparation for the Messiah. So we looked at John the Baptist's ministry, baptizing in the Jordan. Then we shifted to Matthew. So Matthew chapter 3. It's funny how these chapters kind of parallel. Matthew 3, and now we see John and Jesus coming together. Uh, here we have uh, John reluctantly baptizing Jesus. Jesus comes to him, you know, baptized to, to identify with his people, to... to to demonstrate the beginnings of his ministry. In fact, our, our first point was uh, confirming his messiahship. That was our first point. Uh, and then, of course, that confirmation came not just through the baptism, but through that, that, that Trinitarian moment of the voice from heaven of the Father and the descent of the, the Holy Spirit as a dove. You have all of that coming together. And then immediately on the hills of, he, hills, 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 
or the hills, because you'll see why. Yes, at the hills, yes. <laughs> because we have the temptation in the wilderness, in the hills. Okay, yeah. On the heels of this, uh, after confirming his messiahship, right away the enemy confronts his messiahship, tries to contort his messiahship through those temptations that parallel the temptations that Israel went through in the wilderness as well. It, was, it would have been easy, I think most of us would have you know, capitulated, but of course he did not. And so we have that confirmation of his messiahship through, the, through that. And he begins his ministry. Look at um, uh, you know, verse 17 of chapter, uh, chapter 4. He began to preach. Here's the short sermon. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There you go. Get ready. Here we go. Well, now, the next lesson, we go to John. We hadn't, been, hadn't visited John's gospel yet, so we go to the book of John, written much later than the other gospels and with a much more theological outline. John outlines his gospel around signs and building the case for Jesus, uh, not just Messiahship, but his his divinity, his, his lordship. And we went to chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 35. We see beginnings of his public ministry when he calls uh, his first disciples, his first followers. And in this, we see him, uh, you know, he's still, still in the region of where John is baptizing and people are coming to John and then seeing Jesus and John is pointing them to Jesus and we see he, he tells, he asks Andrew to follow him and Andrew asks uh, Peter, his brother, and he comes along and then we have the story of Philip who comes and then Nathaniel, he goes and then Nathaniel follows as well. And we looked at that episode as, uh, you know, because that's the one where, you know, he's, because well, I saw you, you know, uh, you run the fig tree. I saw you. He goes, wow, you know, you saw that? He goes, you're going to see greater things than that. Um, so we looked at the first calling of, of these disciples. Then we stayed in chapter 2 for our next lesson, and we looked at this, the miracle and the wedding in Cana. Uh, because Jesus had in his mind to go to Galilee, and Cana is on the outskirts and in that area. And there's a family wedding, and we witnessed that first miracle at a party of turning water into wine. You've got to love that. He's at a party, and he's turning water into wine. We talked about a lot of other things, but just on the surface, that's, that's fun. Uh, our outline points were a subtle opening. Because it is subtle, it's just a, you know, it's just this sort of, just, we're not set up for this. And then a surprising outcome to this. And so we talked about this first sign, as John calls it in his gospel. And that takes us to where we had three more lessons. So that, that was, how about that? Y'all, that was 13 lessons. Good job, guys. Yeah, 13 lessons. Well, we stayed in John the following week, um, and we started talking beginning at verse 13 through verse 8 of chapter 3. And here we spent some time talking about the difference between John's gospel and the synoptics in the visit to the temple, 
John has a temple visit at the beginning of his ministry. The others only record a temple visit at the end of his ministry, this cleansing of the temple uh, episode. There are some, some subtle differences between them. And there are good scholars and good Christians of good reputation who hold you know, differing views on this. Some would say that there were indeed two temple. At the beginning of his ministry, he cleanses the temple, and at the end, he cleanses the temple. And there's some good evidence to show that perhaps that is the case. And then there are others who say no, that for theological purpose, for what John is trying to accomplish, he moves it purposefully to the beginning, just out of sequence, so that he can fulfill this, this theological trajectory he's on. And again, there's, you know, there's, there's good Christians on either side of this. And of course, then there are other people who say, see, the Bible's not trustworthy. Aha, mistake. Aha. You know, but we're not those. So there you go. We looked at this under the outline of new temple, Jesus declaring this new temple, uh, and new birth. This is where we see Nicodemus coming to him at night, and they start talking about the nature of, you know, it starts with looking at, you know, the nature of what his proclamation about the new temple and then shifts into his proclamation of new birth. And we looked at uh, Nicodemus trying to come to terms with this new birth and what this man Jesus has come proclaiming, the boldness with which he's done the things he's done at the temple and now proclaiming this. Uh, so Nicodemus is a good start in John to start looking at the nature of what it means to be truly Israel, truly born from above, truly a person of new birth. The following week, we stayed right there in John chapter 3 and continued with this discourse and went through verse 36. So we basically finished chapter 3 of John. Uh, we looked at it under the uh, outline of Jesus' discourse. And again, that's continuing his discourse with Nicodemus about the nature of new birth. And then, beginning at verse 35, I mean, I'm sorry, that's a lie. I'm looking at chapter 2. Beginning at verse 22 to the end of the chapter, John's delight, John the Baptist's delight. Delight about what? Well, that people are now seeking out Jesus, following Jesus. And, you know, remember his, John's disciples were like, whoa, look at what's happening. They're going to, you know, he goes, good. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's, that's the nature of this. So we looked at that transition away from John's ministry to the prominence of Jesus' ministry. So John is happy that people are now coming to him. And then the last lesson we had before we uh, had to deal with circumstances beyond our control was uh, in chapter 4. We stayed in John, uh, and we looked at quite a long section, verses 1 through 38. And this is uh, the visit to Samaria. We looked at a lot of how Jesus is breaking down all these barriers. We looked at the history of Samaria and the history of Israel and how what they were saying had a lot of rich context goes to it. But really it came down to, and I, I broke with my own usual teaching Point. You, you notice it's always been just two points. I just try to just do two things. I went all Baptist on you, and I had three. Mm -hmm. I had three points here. Um, we, took, we looked at his explanation of heavenly water, how he explained that. Uh, and then what is heavenly worship, worshiping in spirit and truth. 
And then heavenly wages, looking at, you know, the fields are white, ripe for harvest, white with harvest. Heavenly water? I'll be, it's, it's chapter 4, verses 1 through 38. Uh, I don't have, you know, but the heavenly water part's only the first part of that. Yeah, and then heavenly worship, and it kind of just, it's organic, it grows out of each other, and then the heavenly wages. And that's 16 lessons in 30 minutes. Yeah, baby. Um, that's kind of like online learning. No, I'm just kidding. It's, um, it, yeah, in many ways it is, yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll, of course, go back to drilling down a little bit deeper into our lessons. Hey, Alex. Um, so that we can understand, you know, we'll go forward with Christ's ministry. Now, I'm going to be selective, you know, like I, as I have been thus far. But up until this point, we've covered pretty much of the material that is, is in the Gospels related to the, be, from, from the birth up to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, from here on out, uh, I'll be choosing certain things to look at, uh, big big high touchstones in the, the, the great Galilean ministry uh, that Jesus has before his later Perean ministry and then his, his ascent or going up to Jerusalem. Uh, and it's interesting, we'll, we'll spend, we'll do both, we'll do all four Gospels, but it's interesting that only in Matthew, Mark, and Luke do we have the parables. We're going to do a lot of parables, but so we'll spend a lot of time there too, but there's a lot of things of course, it happened. A lot of people's favorite episodes that happened in the life of Christ and all the things that happened in his ministry. Uh, so we, we have a long time to go, basically. I haven't really planned it out, so we'll just do it. You have nowhere to go, so that's what we'll do. All right. Well, thanks for your patience in that, but I think, if, I think we're now kind of up to speed, ready to go again. And for those of you listening on the podcast... Um, that's what you get for not being here. <laughs> we love you too. Awesome. Let's pray together. Father, are you, uh, you're in charge and we're not. And as James tells us, we count it all joy, even though we're going through these circumstances. Sometimes that's difficult for us, but... Uh, but I think it's a lot, of about, a lot about perspective sometimes. Um, it's past Friday, remembering that 19 years ago, a lot of people were just going about their business and suddenly lost their lives uh, just going to work. Uh, so really, I guess it is about how we, how we see things, perspective. Pray for continued uh, wisdom, uh, wisdom and just uh, good intelligence, not just wisdom, but just being smart for uh, our leaders here at the church and leaders everywhere who have to negotiate these times, kind of having to find a, a via media, a middle road between, between hysteria on both sides of an issue. Uh, what a tough time to be a leader. So I want to lift them up to you, uh, knowing that they're getting cursed from either direction. I pray for all of us that we continue to demonstrate patience and grace to each other. And I pray for the perspective that we all, all know is true, but sometimes it's hard to get away from, that, that these circumstances are temporary, that there's nothing 
new under the sun. Half of what we read in Scripture is in reaction to calamities that have taken place in the ancient world. Uh, so uh, because we live in an antiseptic, very uh, wanting to be a very safe world, uh, this is kind of rocking us a little bit. So uh, help us to remember that uh, while it's new perhaps to us, it's not new to the world, it's not new to history, and certainly not new to you. So as we negotiate these circumstances, help us to remain faithful and hopeful and joyful, and may that be obvious to everyone with whom uh, we come into contact. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Awesome. Yeah, you bet. Most of you stayed awake. Not bad. <laughs>